Chris Ryan. How are you? Of course it is. If somebody else answered, I'd be worried. Yes, I understand. <laughs> How are you doing, bud? I'm fantastic. I am in full summer mode, and that for me means movies, 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 baby. And considering what time of the year it is, you are really like super ready for summer because we're not quite out of spring yet. But okay, that's fine. Nope. And we've had really rainy weather, which is, you know, a lot of people think, oh, it's ruining the beach. Go to the movies. Go to the movies. That's right. That's right. Break out that popcorn. Although I got to say, you know, the movie theater upgrades are interesting. I am still trying to get used to the concept of going to a movie theater sitting in the seats and having a waiter walk up to me and goes, what, what can I get you, sir? I mean, oh, that one's yeah. still, that's still a little weird for me. <laughs> yeah. And I tell you, um, the, the theater here, not only does it have waiter service, you put your order in and then they come bring the food to you, but it has a bar in the movie theater, you know? So, oh, no. Yeah, oh. you go and you can have, you know, they, I, they have the slowest bartenders, so it's not like you're going to go and get five drinks, but you have a little something. You know, if that's your choice, wow. or you could have wow. sugar water or whatever you want. I know. Wow. Um, I've I've uh, I've had a beer and I've had a um, hard cider. And uh, last time we went to the movies, I had a twelve dollar bottle of water. Could have bought a case with me. But I'm sorry. Know, whoa, 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 whoa. We don't need to name the theater, but I'm sorry. A bottle of water cost you twelve beans. Well, it was a large bottle of water. You know, sixteen ounces. <laughs> <laughs> The hose was still running to the hydrant. Okay. I was like, wow, that, you know. Okay. All right. All right. Well, who am I, right? Who am I to 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 judge? Well, well sir. What, though, the, it, the theater has less seats and they're wider and they're comfortable. They're like couches. And we were sat in the top row just to see what it's like. And the screen was fantastic and the sound was fantastic. What the but heck did you watch? We watched uh, Han Solo. We watched oh. which we will talk about hopefully a little later. Yes, but that's not the one we're going to start out discussing, right? No, right. I actually want to, if we, if we can, I'd like to start out with a movie that is actually available on Blu-ray and DVD right now. Yeah, I'm holding the DVD in my hand as we oh, speak. Yes. yes. The Black Panther, as much of a huge impact as it made in the theater, I've had a, been really impressed with the DVD or the Blu-ray as well. Why is that? Well, you know, uh, Tina likes the little booklet. So we went, we got the little uh, little extra one that's got a beautiful, I mean, really beautiful booklet that goes in it. But for me, it, the, 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 uh, the test is what, the, what are the extras, you know? And they mm-hmm. have so many making of um, uh, uh, featurettes um going into the culture and how they develop the look of it and how much they borrowed from different african cultures and what the language was based on i love that they took the native language of the actor who played tachaka who was you know this black panther's father and mm-hmm. they used that as the language where the cross arm came from all that stuff it it just shows how much dedication and artistry and research and commitment went into making that film and i think that translates to the success of the film you know i'm just going to jump in right here just very quickly and say it's funny that you said not funny haha but funny ironic that you just talked about the language and everything because in our previous uh podcast we talked about dialogue oh yeah genuine genuine dialogue and really picking up on the cadence and so forth of 
whatever character that you're trying to portray in your story. So here is a classic example of, you know, we're not even talking about a novel now or a comic book. We're talking about a screenplay based on a comic book and the efforts that they put into bringing authenticity to the dialogue and the language of the people uh, with, or the characters within the story. So that's a great, you know, listen to our previous episode, folks. That's all I got to yeah. say. And well, and, and I would say that one of the things that the Marvel Cinematic Universe does really well is they build upon the source material that's there. You know, mm-hmm. it's 75 years. No, excuse me. There's almost 60 years of, of Marvel comics out there. Yeah, it started in the 1960s. Yeah. yeah. 63, something like that. Yeah. yeah. Spider-Man and is as old as me. God bless him. Um, <laughs> he looks better, though. Yeah. Well, my father was as old as Mickey Mouse, so I guess it's a generational thing. So, yeah. um, <laughs> so you know, Kirby started with uh, what he wanted to do with Black Panther. And when he got pushed back from the, uh, the higher-ups, he, you know, they wanted the whole mask and all that stuff. He said, well, can I show his kingdom? And then he exploded and made it the greatest kingdom on the planet. Just to get, you know, <laughs> fuck you, you know, shoot me, just get back at him. And then your guy, Don McGregor, the great Don McGregor, took that hey, and said, let's, Right, let's expand. And then Christopher's priest, let's expand. And Tennessee's a coach, let's expand. And then the the producers and the writers of the movie and the director um, of Black Panther took all that stuff and distilled the, the strongest elements from it. And then went, then after that, went actually to Africa to stand there and soak it up and to see the colors and the textures and the, the cadences of the language and all that. And all of that went into that film. That's, that's amazing. And to see it reflected in the featurettes, fantastic. Yeah. But I will tell you one more thing. The, one more thing, yes. There's a roundtable discussion of the writers of the comic books and the writers and producers and director of the film. That so that's, that's McGregor Priest. As far as the comics. And uh Coates and the, the guy who's right currently writing it. I forget his name, but I apologize to you. And then uh uh Ryan Cougar and Cooglin and um the writer of the Black Panthers and then the one of the producers or two of the producers all sitting around together talking about writing and conceiving and developing this character. And if you're interested at all in the writing and the creative process, those feature eights are great, but that one must not be missed. It is, it's school. It's like going to school in the best possible way to hear their process and their, uh, and what they loved and how, Oh man, it is worth the price of admission. And then you get to watch the film again. Come on, that's a great deal. <laughs> I think you're just enjoying yourself too much. I mean, <laughs> well, it's, just, it's so great to have all that extra stuff, you know? Um, and I think Marvel gets that. I think Marvel understands that fans, they're fans of the creativity as well. They're fans of the process, they're fans of the legends, of the myths, of the storytelling. And they, they, yeah, they give you the gag reel, but they also give you making of. And then in this case, they started, you know, 
one of the greatest thing I like, I love when the writers or directors do the um, commentary and you can watch the film and just listen to what decisions they were making. Oh, yeah. Oh, by the way, that's that's uh, Joe Robert Cole is the, writer. the one who wrote, co-wrote it with Kugler. Yeah. Yes, yes. And he's there. Um, I love when they talk about decisions they make. I hate when I love Joss Whedon, but some of his commentary, he's being um, self-efficient and, and kind of puts himself down. And that gets in the way of what I want. I want I want to hear well, this is why we did this and this decision is there because he knows how to tell a story and we want, we, we, I hunger for that. You can get that out of the Black Panther uh, Blu-ray and you should, if you're interested at all, get, get yourself to the store and pick that up. And then if you're like me, then you have to go out and buy a Blu-ray player, but that's okay. <laughs> well, you know, it, 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 it bothers or me. Go over you know, oh, we all day's go coming. Let's house. go, kids. Yeah, yeah, we all go over to Crimson's house and watch it there. <laughs> so I, so, I want to point so out the Black, Black Panther. Panther was, we had the Black Panther. What, it what was came in next? theaters until our next film to talk about premiered. It was, uh, it was in the theaters the same day or the same week that Avengers Infinity War came out. Yep, that's and right. That was an amazing... Talk about having legs. Black Panther really had the long legs you don't see that anymore. There was in the theater almost until the uh, Blu-ray came out, and then here you could you could go and see Black Panther and go down the next theater, and and see Avengers Infinity War. And I tell you what, the Russo brothers owe a lot of Black Panther fans some some uh, uh, bridge building. Yeah, I had I walked out of that uh, theater the first time I saw it and the second time I saw it behind some Black Panther fans. And boy, were they furious with some of the things that happened at the end of the Avengers movie. Oh, yeah. Which we will not go into. Yes, I did. I I saw Black Panther and spoiler free here. Right. We're spoiler free here. But a lot of it is common knowledge at this point. So so people. You know what what. we're not saying. You know what we're not saying. But and if you don't know, go see the movie, and then you'll know what we're not saying. So just before you leap off to that, so so we have Black Panther, and and we've we've already you know just shouted hoorah over the amazing things that it did. Well, a Shakespearean level celebration of African culture. Right. Okay. Then we go to Avengers. Right. You know the payoff of eighteen movies. And and I had I know some people were talking about that was so long it was so long yeah well yeah it was but they did a lot with that and I didn't I personally didn't feel like I suffered through the time on it no I think that what what you got was once again was it was an example of filmmakers actually trying to tell a story oh yeah it wasn't just throw together a bunch of battle scenes and have funny people running around in costumes it was we have a story to tell and it has highs and lows. It has, you know, moments of elation and it has moments of deep rooted failure and, and fear and all these things. And we want to lay it out so that this huge banquet of characters runs something close to an even keel in terms of time to express or to show or display what they're going through. You know, because that's another thing. Going back to our previous episode about dialogue, you know, and genuineness, 
you have this huge parade of Marvel characters in this movie, and each one of them has his or her own way of of acting and speaking and so forth, and what they're going through. And I think and, this movie gave a chance to shine. And I would I, I would add to that that this movie should it should be impossible for this movie to work because mm-hmm. you're you have 18 films before it right and i think we can argue easily f- at least four franchises right mm-hmm. thor captain america iron man the avengers i would also say black panther and spider-man right all guardians and guardians holy holy crap seven different franchises now think of the very very different tones the spider-man homecoming film even though it came out right before black panther extremely different tones those two movies Mm -hmm. guardians of the galaxy very different in tone than the avengers right tony stark very different than thor very different than captain america very different than doctor strange we forgot about his franchise Holy crap, right? Well, I would, I would, yeah, you're, you're right. As a comic book, Strange is definitely a franchise unto himself. I think that, you know, film wise, you've named Thor, Iron Man, Captain America as, as the hottest ticket. Spider Man, well, certainly, we've had several incarnations of that, you well, know. But, uh, so, but yeah. this latest one has been very successful. Black Panther <laughs> has broken records. Guardians <laughs> of the Galaxy was the no way is that going to work. It worked phenomenally. Right, And then you have to take all of those tones and put them in a movie and be true to those tones and then create a tone for this one. And by the way, Thor's last movie was a comedy, a buddy With comedy. Thor and Hulk. Yeah, and it was a, about Hulk. Right, yeah. it was a buddy comedy. And it was the best incarnation that we'd seen of the Hulk. So they, they had an impossible task. And not only did they get the tones right for everybody. But then they took an enormous gamble. And it's not the hero's movie. It's not the Avengers movie. It's not the Guardians movie. It's not Spidey or any of those other guys. This is Thanos' movie. What what an amazing creative risk they took. And I think it's the reason they succeed. They look at these stories. They serve these stories. They're true to the characters. They know the background of the characters. So they are, they can, that because of that, they can write in dialogue in their voices. And then they can build moments on that. There's a moment in the heat of a battle. Spoilers. But Thor is fighting near Captain America with um, Groot near him, and he had befriended Groot. Now, Thor is terrible with names. So Thor says, and this is my friend Tree, (laughs) and Groot happens to be in teenager range. So he turns while he's fighting with all that teenage attitude and says the only three words he gets to say, I am Groot. And... (laughs) And Captain America, Steve Rogers, Mr. Sincerity, turns to him and says, I am Steve Rogers. <laughs> and what they use, they, it's so, it is funny, but they used 
completely true moments for each of those three characters and in the context of them together for the first time created a great comedic moment you know it's it's it is phenomenal what they did in taking care of the little moments while taking care of also the macro the large enormous canvas they were painting on I would also say here, I'm just going to take a moment here to say that I I have to say, coming from where I come from, that 80% of this was made possible by the fact that there were a a, a small cadre or even uh, a unit, a military unit of comic book writers and illustrators who spent 30, 40 years developing these characters and these stories. Yeah. So that there was all of this research, if you will, all of this source material yeah. for the very talented. Don't get me wrong, because idiots with, with a camera could have grabbed all that wonderful resource and just burned the temple down. Oh, yeah. You know, tried to make a bad movie and they would have succeeded. No, I'm just some very talented people worked on the movies we've talked about actors, writers, cinematographers, special effects, costume designers, all of these people were just phenomenal. But they were able to start with this encyclopedia of rich material, source material. Yes. And, and use it create. Yeah. And use it almost as early drafts. Mm-hmm. Right? Thanos has faced these people numerous times. So you look at each time and you develop what this story will be. There's a major change in in Thanos's motivation, which we won't say. We won't say, but it allows you to enjoy the Thanos of the comics, and then look at this one. This is a more compelling reason that actually manages to deepen the character. Do you know what I'll even say? I'll even say this. Again, I don't think this is a spoiler because I'm not going to say specifically anything, but look at Thanos and look at another villain in a Marvel movie. Just you think about it. You don't have to phrase, you don't have to word it. Anybody listening, just look at Thanos. If you've seen the movie, look at Thanos and look at this other villain in this Marvel movie and tell me if something doesn't resonate. You're going to tell us who the other villain is? I'm curious to see if if I say it, would it be giving anything away? I'm I'm just curious. If you haven't seen the Panther movie and you haven't seen Avengers Infinity Wars, then I could say, you know, Thanos and the other person's name, the other villain's name, and you probably would just go, huh? But if you've seen Panther, you know who the villain is. So you're talking about Killmonger. See now you said it. Yeah, that's okay. Sure. <laughs> well, think about think about don't don't I, again. I don't want to spoil anything. I really don't. I just want you know for those of you who've seen it, think about that because well, I think that's that's really part of the 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 dramatic genius of the two films approaches. Mm-hmm. Very interesting to me. But anyway, you know what? We 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 can move on because we were going to cover. You were saying, yeah. you know, summer blockbusters, summer, summer you know, blockbuster, which right. is 
just premiered recently was Deadpool 2. Yep. Um, yeah. And you have to give Ryan Reynolds and company amazing uh, kudos because they they parody, they spoof, they lampoon the genre that they're in while they're being true to that genre. Deadpool is uniquely that character. Once again, Marvel is using the comics as the, the template, as the early drafts. But somehow this, this Deadpool sequel manages to be, I think, funnier than the first one. And now, I haven't seen it, folks. So I'm I'm sitting here going, okay. And I'm going to be spoiler spoiler bombed. But yeah. it it builds jokes off the first one. It introduces new jokes. It does fan service, and at the same time, explores new territory um, in really successful ways. And takes none of it seriously, except serving the humor of it. It takes deadly seriously, and I, it is wonderful. I'm glad to hear you say that. And I, I find a little bit of you know uh, film trivia. This is Ryan Reynolds' second superhero role. Well, he even he even has a, nod, a hilarious nod to that, as much as he made fun of. Him, uh, himself once or twice in Deadpool for doing that movie. He has a bigger joke for that one and yeah. for his appearance earlier incarnation of Deadpool. He makes fun of that. He um, he re- references I don't know. There's got to be 600. Uh, that's a reference to some um, uh, YouTuber show who said there were 600 references to comics. It, was, it felt like that. Um, <laughs> but just Laugh out loud, funny, and um, it was a great uh, palate cleanser after uh, the Avengers. Although I right. do want to go and see the Avengers again because the Avengers is deadly serious, and this oh, one yeah. is the other direction. Yep, yep, it is. Yep, it is. And 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 we have um, we have the uh, the same actor in both films. Yes. And yes. Deadpool does not miss an opportunity to mention that. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so um, let's move on. We let's move a... on because, because now we're going to move out of the Marvel world for a moment. Right. We're gonna, Still you know, under this, the Disney umbrella, but where yes. are we going? Yes, we're going, we're going out into space, but without Thanos. Yes. We're going out into space with a rogue, sort of roguish space pirate, would you call him? or? Yes. What would you, yeah, and, yeah. and if I remember correctly, you haven't seen this yet, so I, I'm going to have to go solo. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. So what did you think of it? Well, um, one of the things I do with all of these movies is as I'm approaching the movie the last couple of days, I lower my expectations. I said, all the hype is going to ruin the movie. All the trailers are going to ruin the movie. Expect nothing. You've already seen the best parts and all that stuff. And with Solo, that is not true. Um, I was worried, and I went with the goddess, my wife, and both of us agreed that the first 15 minutes, we were uh, kind of worried. And then from there, it uh, steadily improves. And, and does fan service and 
ties takes moments to tie this film into in all different directions to the Star Wars uh, uh, universe writ large, hmm. um, and by and and tells a great tale. You know, there's it's part heist movie, part you know hero's journey, part uh, you know tangential uh, Star Wars mythology. Um, but by the time you leave, you 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 really have had a great time, a, re- a lot of fun, and um, two three days later, T and I are still saying, uh, "How about this line?" Or how about when they did this thing? That was kind of cool, wasn't it? So Ron Howard, who jumped in like midway through this production, and because they didn't feel the direction was right, uh, Kathleen Kennedy didn't feel the direction was right. The with the first director. So she called an Opie. Called an Opie, and Opie had to do yeah. a lot of reshoots, but bottom line is it's it's lighter than Rogue One, but a really uh, a good piece of the Star Wars puzzle. You know, and uh, it can it can go on the Star Wars shelf with no shame in its game. It did a it it took a lot of risks. Just having someone else in that character was a risk. Um, and really did a great job. Added to the mythology of Star Wars in a great way. And it's a, such a fun summer movie, man. Rain comes, go. Is it too hot for you? Get off the beach. Go to Solo. Get some popcorn. This is a popcorn movie. You, you know, I, I find this kind of interesting because you said they took a gamble uh, with putting a new actor in that role, especially so soon after we saw the original character of Han Solo uh, move in another direction. Again, for those of you who haven't seen that film. Um, yeah, if you haven't seen the Star Wars film, get back to the planet, man. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but, you know, my, my question is, you know, there are some, some people who, who, who really, they sort of, they're identified as that character and, and, you know, we will not accept any substitutes to, to go old school for a moment. The original Perry Mason TV series, which, you know, opened in the 60s with Raymond Burr, ran for nine years, went off the air for like, I don't know, 15 years or more. And then they brought him back in the Perry Mason Returns. And they did a series of TV movies that went on for several years before Raymond Burr. I mean, he basically had to die in order for the franchise to stop. But. In between those two things, they tried another actor, you know, respectable actor, tried to bring the series back, and, and the audience went, nah, not happening. And, and just recently, I saw in an interview a particular actor who very graciously said, I'm not sure how an, you know, a new actor in the role I created will, I don't know if people will accept it. Yeah. And we're, we're going to see if the new series Magnum you know, if, right, if it right. flies with this new guy. So, well, you know, yes, and we have, I'm sorry, one more reference. We have the, the new Hawaii 5.0 series, which has been on for several years now, replacing the original series with Jack Lord and, 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 and James MacArthur and all that. And, and this new series has found, I have to say, as, you know, I'm not a purist, but I'm uh, the original team of, of McGarrett, Danny, Kono, and, and, um, Chin Ho, those guys I love. You know, I know they've got a whole new. Mm-hmm, I'm not going to go into that. But anyway, 
So when you take that risk, when you've got a, a, a body of people, a fan base that's, that's, you know, really loved the original incarnation, and you say, hey, guys, we're about to, we're about to go new here. Oh, they did it with Star Trek, too. I'm sorry. I forgot about that. It is taking times. a risk. Yeah. Yeah, it but, is taking a risk, money-wise and otherwise. But with all of those, there was almost a generation of time between the original and these reboots. Mm-hmm. The original character, Han Solo, the original actor, was on screen not three years ago. I know, Rome. but when you, think, when you think about Star Wars, the original Star Wars came out in 1977. And here we are in 2018. Right, but in 2000, I think it was 2016, he was still Han Solo. Yeah, no, I, I'm, I'm not debating it. I'm not debating it with you. I'm not right, debating it with right. you. So, so this character, I, I, I think it was a huge risk, but I think Ron Howard puts in place some things that allow you to watch this non-Harrison Ford human being become Han Solo. It was very clever, uh, the things they did. And then when you finally see it, you're going to recognize each one and say, ah, yeah, that helped the kid. That helped the kid go. Yeah. You know. And yeah. Um, yeah, by the end of it, you'll accept him as a Han Solo. Now, before we before we go to this last movie, I, I just want to say here that because, you know, this is telling the damn story. One of the things that I think actually maybe there's more than one, but one of the things that I feel or I think made all of these things we're talking about successful is a commitment to quality of storytelling. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. It's, it's writers as well as actors. You know, don't get me wrong. Directors, everybody else. You definitely did your part. But it's writers sitting down and respecting the source material or respecting the character or respecting the kind of story they're going to tell and really doing the work. And when we get into, you know, we're talking about language and things like that or cultural representation, really doing the work. Mm -hmm. Because the moment you start to half step, which is not the word I would use in, you know, less less company, uh, the moment you start to do that, you, you weaken everything and with every one of these productions including some of the tv references and things i was talking about there's been a lot of work to say these characters need to live and breathe whether this is the same actor or not they need to connect they need to be telling a real story they need to sound and speak true to their character and their nature and we are going to do the work to make that possible yeah and now we're going to get to see and an interesting challenge in the upcoming Marvel movie. Yes, still Disney after all these years. God yeah. bless. Um, I guess it's Fourth July weekend or early July. We see Ant Man and the Wasp. And Ant Man's he had one movie and then he's been in two others. Right. And now this is his second quote unquote solo movie. No pun intended. Well, he was in Ant Man and then he was in Civil War. Right. Um. And then he showed up in in uh, something else. What was it? I don't know if he was in another one. I thought I remembered him being mentioned or or mentioned. seen in another film. He he and Hawkeye are mentioned in the Avengers: Infinity War, but they're not in the movie. Gotcha. So, okay. So, so here's that. Here's the challenge with uh, Ant Man and the Wasp 
you know, the last, the first movie was a heist movie. There's a lot of humor. You know, Paul Rudd does a great job. The other guys do a great job. Now you have um, Lillian, I forget her name, Evangeline Lilly uh, coming forward as, uh, you know, the Wasp. Um, and yet, well, they got to kind of figure, we have to see how they're going to use the timeline. Is there going to be any commentary? Is this movie going to tie in or be affected by Infinity Wars? Is that what yeah, you're saying? That's, yeah, that's, you know. Yeah, without spoilers here, folks. Okay. okay. Uh, because, yeah. Because the MCU, Ryan Feige and those guys, they literally changed the game with that movie, uh, with the Infinity War uh, film. Well, well, again, to save us, to save us stepping in a bear trap here, let us let us also look at Marvel for a moment and say <clears throat> that X number of years ago, hey, pardon me if I clear my throat. <clears throat> Excuse me. X number of years ago, someone or some series of someone sat down and said, "How do we macrame this universe together over the other mediums? Like we've done it in comics." How do we do this as film and television? Because, you know, aside from all the movies that they've had out, there's Daredevil, Iron Fist, Luke Cage, Jessica Jones, um, Defenders, right, and Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. There's at least six shows, and there's been a couple of others that have been on streamed stations or networks. So right. there's at Runaways. least six. Excuse me? Runaways. Yeah, right. So We won't mention the Inhumans. You've got at least nine different Marvel properties or franchise that came out on the small screen as well as this plethora on the big screen and they've managed to either through innuendos or direct remarks or you know visual evidence connected things so yeah this is again tricky honoring the material trying to do it right and and i can think in terms of i look at everything there's only been a few faux pas here and there which is a big statement in and of itself but yeah with with ant-man i think the thing that I'm curious to see is how they, what's the tone they're going to give this one? Because you've seen the trailers and you know there's going to be some sort of humor involved as well. But like you were saying before, Deadpool has its own tone and identity. Then you've got what happened in Infinity Wars versus what happened in Ragnarok versus what happens in the Iron Man films or the Captain America films or Civil War. You know, or Spider-Man, everything has its, its, it's part of the Marvel Universe, but it's different neighborhoods, it's different personalities, it's different tones and moods. And so what, what a challenge for the creators of the film to say, where does this fit in? Oh, yeah. What's this neighborhood going to be? What well, flavor is this going to be? Well, I will point out that they've already been able to, they're so strong, they were able to spin radically um, at the end of Ragnarok, which is a light buddy movie. It is a comedy. Mm-hmm. The very last thing you see, which is also played for laughs, dark laughter, but it's Thor and Loki basically saying, we think it's going to work out fine. Even after the actual Ragnarok, the destruction of blah 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 spoilers you see these two guys saying i think everything's going to work out fine and then thanos's ship descends on them right mm-hmm. which is played for a joke 
the opening of the Avengers, spoilers, is a very serious, devastating turn away from that humor into the darkness. They spun it literally on a dime because the last time you saw that scene, it was in a comedy. And then you see it, it's only a couple of minutes, maybe at most a half an hour after the end of Ragnarok. Where In terms of their timeline, yeah. Yeah, yeah. 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 And things have changed. So you could see this Ant-Man and the Wasp being a light comedy and some kind of twist coming at the end. We don't know, but it's an it's enjoyable in and of itself. And I think what we've seen in the trailer says, yes, it'll be worth the price of admission. But I'm hoping that we see some of that gravitas as, as well at the end. Well, time will definitely tell. Uh, actually, when this episode airs, too, will be intriguing in terms of where that sits. Although I'm sure this will be out before Ant-Man and the Wasp. Um, and I, I just remembered, you know, and I, I'm not going to go off on a whole tangent here, but I just would say, you know, in looking at the Marvel things that have happened over the decades, you know, we can look at the success of the past, you know, what is it? When did the first uh, Iron Man movie come out? I, I'd have to... Ten years ago. Okay, so in the past ten years, looking at everything that's happened with Marvel movies and TV shows in the past ten years, and then let's just throw the Wayback Machine back just a little bit further and look at Howard the Duck and the Fantastic Four movies, including the Roger Corman one. Mm-hmm. You know, And we can see what can happen depending on, again, how source material and characters are approached when different teams and studios and, and mindsets get their hands on them. You know, yes. I, I, still, I still feel that one of the best incarnations of Batman has been the animated series. Oh, yeah. You know? And again, same reason. They served the story. They served the material. They told yep. the damn story. <laughs> and keep telling people this. I wish DC, Warner's DC movies would listen. Tell the damn story. You got 80 years of stuff that worked. Tell the damn story. I'm sorry, Chris, what are you trying to say? I'm, telling, I'm thinking they should tell the damn story. And luckily and this what? summer, we have a lot of examples of people really telling the damn story in great ways. And that's product placement for you folks. <laughs> <laughs> And on that note, um, I want to say thanks for sticking with us. I know this was maybe a slightly longer episode than we normally do, but there was so much to cover. And I think I'm going to have more fun. I will. Once I see, I have to catch up with Chris because, you know, obviously he got to see more stuff than I did before we did this. But next time we talk, I will have seen a few more of the films. And as the summer rolls through, mm-hmm. uh, we'll not only be seeing films, but also I'm going to be doing some stuff that I think will affect how you and I will be telling the damn story during the summer. So Always looking with, forward to it. With those hints laid out there, I'm going to say adios from Alex Simmons and Chris Ryan and everybody who's in it, please continue to tell the damn stories. Take care, Chris. Yeah, have a great summer. We'll talk to you soon. Bye-bye. Bye.